My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 163. That's right. Of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. <laughs> 163. But uh, yeah, man. Episode 163 of Cinepunks. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a Christmas punks episode, baby. That's Yo, what it is. You know, Josh, how, huh? are, you, t- how are you doing? It's, it's for, for, to clue people in, here we are. We're not even that deep. In, we're eight days into December. Are you in the Christmas spirit? Are you feeling good about Christmas times and whatnot? Well, here's the thing, man. I just got through my second Black Friday retail. Sure, sure. And then we've crested into December. And uh, I'm good, man. It's cool. I've been listening to Elvez, a Merry Maximus at work and forcing everyone at work to listen to that record. Okay. And um, that sounds like torture, by the way, but all right. Oh, it's a good record, though. I, I just wish that I had a copy of uh, his other record of Christmas songs known as Snowway Jose. And um, yeah, no, I only have a Merry Maximus, which is great, though. It's good. It's good. But um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I put up my Christmas tree at work. We don't have one at the house, which is OK, because we're not into hanging up Christmas stuff at the house. But um, at work, it's a de- it's a desktop tree that was given to me uh, two years ago. Okay. A year and a half ago. So I'm good with that. And uh, yeah, man, having a time. Mm-hmm. How about uh, you? Are you in the Christmas spirit despite your illness? Oh, man. No, I am a cranky asshole. I'm in such a bad mood. Uh, I'm in a, an eternal bad mood. Um, and most of that is just really the sickness. I wish I could say it was more than that. I mean, you know, there's other things. The world is dark. You know, uh, uh, there's, you know, not only were there the recent attack right at the at Club Q, but now there's just more and more fascist groups showing up to drag queen events as if like there's anything to worry about there. Like and not even just the the kids story times. Right now they're just shutting down normal drag shows like this has nothing to do with you. So there's lots of reasons for the world to be to, to feel bad about the world and all that stuff. But guys, it's not that it's not my social conscious or my. Uh, leftist leanings that are making me sad. It's because I'm sick. That's what it is. I mean, you know, there's other things then that also come up. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life, you know. Uh, General ennui for the mid 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cinepunks isn't famous the way it should be, all that kind of stuff. But the the real issue, the real heart of the matter (laughs) is that here we are into Diciembre, you know, we're, we're December 8th here. And uh, I still got a cough, man. Like, I'm going to the doctor yeah, tomorrow man. to be like, what the fuck, y'all? Why the cough, doc? And, you know, it was just a rough day today. Like, I really should have taken a nap, and I didn't, and just had a bunch of stuff going on. So I'm coming into this a little, like, not as Christmassy. Though I will say, one of our movies we're discussing today, quite honestly, put me in the Christmas spirit, Josh. It <laughs> very much so put me in the Christmas spirit, which I was not expecting. I was not expecting at all. Well, here's the thing about the Christmas spirit, Liam. Yeah. It's magical. <laughs> and, and you know, Christmas magic. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. It's Christmas magic, though. So Yo, maybe if we believe. Uh-huh. We're doing we a- believe that we believe. <laughs> Yo. Maybe your Christmas spirit will, give, will, will rise by the end of the episode. Oh my God! Okay, we're getting over the. Okay, we're doing a we're doing a Christmas double. You guys saw it when you looked at the episode. We we're doing <laughs> Violent Night and Trading Places. Um, now going into this, I was very much expecting this to be a double feature of movies that though they uh, 
are Christmas movies technically, they're kind of not Christmas movies, right? Like, even though Violent Night is a movie about Santa Claus, right? (laughs) I thought, but it's not going to be a Christmas movie, right? Like, I fucking love Christmas Evil, but no one puts on Christmas Evil to get into the Christmas spirit unless the Christmas spirit they're trying to get into is a fucked up one, which, if that's the case, all more power to you. I love you for it. That's great. But, uh, But, you know, while Training Places is 100% in every way for me, a movie that's just set on Christmas, whatever you feel about it. It's not like a movie that is a Christmas movie. It's a movie that occurs on Christmas. You know, it has a little bit more to do with Christmas than say die hard, but it's still not like a movie about Christmas. Right. Uh, Violent night. That's a fucking Christmas movie, man. That is, that a, is a movie about Christmas for sure. hundred percent. I, I was not expecting it, man. And, uh, and I was kind of joyful about it to be quite honest. I, really? I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will get into it in a little bit, but I, what I want to ask you though, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but it's been a while. What is your read on Christmas movies, generally speaking? And it, I don't mean the, you know, we always have this, this argument, you know, people say the Die Hard argument, but it's not just Die Hard. There are a lot of movies that are set during Christmas, like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Gremlins. Yeah, Gremlins. Well, I think you could argue, and I think I would argue, Gremlins is about Christmas, right? Okay. Whereas okay. Die Hard, I love Die Hard, great movie. It's not really about Christmas, right? No. It's it's a movie that occurs on Christmas. If you want to watch it to get in the Christmas spirit, it works for you. That's great. Or like we just did a shirt for Rough Cut for The Silent Partner. Great movie. Never uh, saw it. Oh, man. Highly recommend. It's not about Christmas, though. Well, it, it's a little closer to Gremlins in that Christmas is still a part of the movie. It's not about Christmas, though. Whereas I think Gremlins, I think, gets closer to still kind of being about Christmas. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm sort of asking you is not the movies that occur during Christmas, but, but Christmas movies that movies are, per se. Yeah. That, that are in some sense, at least adjacently about Christmas. What do you think about them? Do you like them? And if so, do you have any that are like favorites for you? Um, well, I don't gravitate towards them. I mean, I can definitely cite movies like home alone that sure. occurred yeah, during yeah, Christmas yeah. and stuff like that. But in my mind, one of the greatest movies of all time sure. is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a fun movie and it's so ridiculous. And it is about Christmas. Right. Not just a movie that happens during Christmas, but there's just so many things in that movie that are so funny. And uh yeah, that I love. I love a good Christmas comedy. That said, I haven't seen Jingle All the Way. You know, I haven't oh, yeah. seen. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm not watching any of these. Like, I didn't see Spirited yet. Although Andrew uh, of Cross Keys in front of the show and Cinepunk's listener and Patreon supporter, uh, he was saying that eh, it was just fine. But, uh, you know, Christmas movies in general is just not for me. Here's the thing. I agree, Josh. And in fact, <coughs> you know that when it comes to a lot of different kinds of movies, a lot of different genres of movies, I might not have like locked and loaded a full top five, but given some time, I could probably come up with a top five. But when people have been asking me about Christmas movies, I got to be honest with them and say, I don't fucking know. You know, like it's not, I don't have like a big list of like, these are the Christmas movies that are actually good. It's not, yeah, something- you're no Alonzo Duralde. I'll say that. Much. Well, and so I was going to make that point. <laughs> we are not, you know, friends with Alonzo the way we are with Dave White. I mean, he was on one episode, but I consider him a friend now. Uh, but but still, we're close enough to Alonzo that I feel like here's a guy who's made his whole career on these Christmas movies. I mean, he does a lot of other stuff, too, but that's one of the things he's known for. And so, like, 
maybe I should read his book and then I'd have a list of Christmas movies. I don't know. But for me, I kind of been a little skeptical on the old Christmas movie front in general, with mm. some exceptions. I, I do still like Scrooged, though I understand yeah, why. Yeah, no, that movie does rule. I understand. I, I think for I think for a lot of people in retrospect, they're a little less stoked on it because um, towards the end of the movie, Bill Murray just kind of goes nuts with it. And I, and I think that's actually the whole end sequence where he's just saying shit. Apparently, none of that is scripted. That's just him doing whatever the fuck he wants. I don't know that that appeals to everybody. So I think there's like a mixed response to that movie. But I like it. I obviously like Gremlins. I mean, I think that's a that's a classic, right? Uh, but you know, I, as much as I kind of am like, man, eh, Christmas movies aren't really my thing. I gotta say, I have some real affection for the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I got Muppet some real Christmas affection Carol. for and it. You know what? I'm not. I'm not even shy to admit to our listeners who are also like our Christmas family. Sure. That I I still enjoy a Christmas Story. I so, didn't watch the sequel. This is what I was building my way towards. Don't like the Christmas story, man. I'm really? not into it. Yeah, I I don't hate. It's not like is a, it just you've been inundated, but with it, like it's all as oh, long I, as I can remember, it's been the 24 hour marathon on Christmas Day on TBS or whatever station sure, that was. Yes, yeah. I mean, I've definitely watched it a number of times because of that, and even in school, it's one of those ones they would put on when when <laughs> a teacher break, didn't want to yeah. do anything, you know, leading up to uh-huh. Christmas. Yeah, um, I think it's overrated, man. I don't think it's that funny. I don't really care about it. I certainly it just certainly doesn't make me emotional the way it seems to make other people. And it's a uh, it's it, particularly interesting to me because it's the guy who directed uh, Black Christmas. And yeah. I got to say, I think one of those movies is way more effective than the other one for me. <laughs> um, not so much a Christmas story. Yeah, I just I again, I wouldn't put it in the same. Um, See, but that's the thing. Wait, what do you think about Christmas horror movies? Because, OK, we both love Christmas Evil. Right. That said, I am not, you know just better watch out you know what i mean stuff like this like there's a bunch of christmas horror movies that just conflate these two conflicting theories in my mind and uh i'm not beat man i you know it's fine like i like i think there's more good ones than you think i i I agree yes i agree that there are many that are bad because it's a easy gimmick Right. Like Mm. just doing Christmas horror. And I feel like it's gotten more popular in recent years because of movies like Rare Exports that brought that genre back. But that being said, uh, I like. Right. Let me just go through it now. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. I like it. That's a good one. Black Christmas. I like it. Like Uh, uh, Christmas Evil. I like it. Yep. Uh, Don't sleep till Christmas. I don't know yet. I'm about to watch it for horror business, but I'm excited to see it. I think I like it. (laughs) So you're Um, doing Christmas shows for us and horror business? Oh, 100%. Oh, oh, and fucking for uh, Cinema Smorgasbord. Although the last few years for Cinema Smorgasbord, what we've done is cover. There's actually a genre Christmas movie fest in Germany every year. And like on Christmas, they just show genre Christmas movies, not just horror, but a lot of horror crime films some other genres too but it's only christmas movies the whole fest and it happens on christmas eve and christmas in germany and so for a few years now for cinema smorgasbord we've just covered that fest we've we've picked movies from that fest but this year we're just gonna do some christmas movies just straight up christmas straight just christmas i'll I'll tell you what christmas i'll tell you what josh it was not easy for me to pick one because i as i said i don't have a ton of Christmas movies that I love. And some of the ones I do love are really obvious. Like I, I didn't want to do a cinema, the board about Christmas, uh, uh, Muppet Christmas movie. Cause it's like 
come on, every, come on. That's what is there to talk about? You know what I mean? Yeah, like it just rules. So yeah. I ended up picking up, uh, I was going to mention this in our little discussion of Christmas movies. I ended up picking a movie that I watched relatively recently. I think it came out in maybe 2018 uh, that I think is really good. A movie called the feast of the seven fishes. That is a indie comedy. It's set in, I think West Virginia, but it might be Pennsylvania. It's set somewhere where there's a lot of poor white folks and uh, it's really good. It's a really charming movie. Um, uh, the guy who's in it is the guy from um, the righteous gemstones. The, oh. the son, the actor's son. I forget that guy, that actor's name in real life, but you know what I mean? Like mm. the, 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 the son who like, comes back and tries to steal everything, you know, that actors in this, the feast of the seven fishes movie. And it's, it's really good. I really recommend it. But back to the Christmas horror thing. Um, I agree that there, there's always some that come out that are kind of a bummer. Like, so for example, mm-hmm. you brought up better watch out. I didn't hate it, but I think there are people who will like it just cause it's a Christmas movie. I think similarly about Krampus. I didn't hate Krampus. I thought Krampus was fine, but is it as good as other horror films? No, it's just, to some extent, I think the bars may be low for Christmas horror movies. That being said, Dial Code Santa Claus, man, it's the it's it's it. Not only is it a great Christmas movie, a great horror movie, it's or a great Christmas horror movie. It's a great straight horror movie. It's a great yeah. movie. Dial Code Santa Claus fucking kills. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I also haven't seen though. I recently added it to a little server we both participate in, mm-hmm. uh, a movie called Elves. I'm checking it out. That's a recommendation from uh, our uh, one of our sister podcasts, Twitch of the Death Nerve on the Cinepunks nice. Network. Uh, they did a Christmas episode last year where they talked about this movie Elves, and uh, it looks cool, man. I'm excited to watch it. It's <laughs> going to be part of my part of my holiday watching thing. Um, nice. But you know, it. we, me, and you don't watch as many Z grade straight to DVD horror movies True. as other people. So, is it possible that my less negative view of Christmas horror movies is because I don't watch every Santa zombie movie that comes out or, you know what I mean? <laughs> Santa versus zombies. And all I'm that. sure there's a ah. fuck ton of them, but you yeah. know, I, you know, technically Anna and the apocalypse is a Christmas horror movie. And that I thought that was good. a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 So I, I, you know, I, I, we're covering a movie tonight. That's not a horror movie, but it's a Christmas genre movie that I think is pretty successful. Pretty soon. I'm going to try to see that. Um, Christmas bloody Christmas movie. Oh uh, yeah. The new Bay. Uh, what is it? Joe Bagos movie that is mm-hmm. coming out. So uh, I'm stoked to watch that. And I, you know, I, I'm hoping that'll be good. And, and I'm not going in thinking, Oh, Christmas horror. I'm over this, but I do think it can be sort of a cheap gimmick, you know? And, yeah. and but, yeah. but again, like horror, you know all of horror, is, uh, half of horror is cheap gimmicks. So not yeah. even just the horror thing. I haven't watched. It's a wonderful life yet. You've never seen. It's a wonderful life. No. And I love Frank Capra. And I love James Stewart. You got to watch it, man. I think you'll be surprised that it's, it's actually a lot better. I think um, the thing to remember about it's a wonderful life is it's become a cliche because it was so unpopular for so long. TV could get it for cheap. So they yeah, ran it they for cheap. And, they, yeah. and by the way, they ran shitty copies of it. Like the versions that would play on TV through the seventies were often like real bad prints, just awful looking versions <laughs> of this movie. And so we act like, Oh, it's a Christmas classic. But when it came out, because it's such a dark movie and it's so clearly a, uh, movie that is skeptical of the world cough cough capitalism that i think um it was incredibly unpopular not incredibly unpopular i'm over i'm I'm overstating the case but it was certainly not considered the classic 
that we consider it now. And that was actually mm-hmm. a phenomena created to some extent by TV and by critics kind of rediscovering it, uh, yeah. you know? So I think it's worth, I think it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. is worth giving it a chance. Uh, Alonzo Duraldi, as we know, is obsessed with Christmas movies and that's what he's known for. Uh, he has recommended in many interviews, the 1970s Scrooge musical starring Albert Finney. Oh, and wow. uh, because he seems so intense that it's worth watching, I'm going to give it a chance sometime, uh, even though I, you know, I kind of feel like once you have Muppet Christmas Carol, do you need another Christmas Carol? Yeah. But like I, Albert Finney in the 70s. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Dope deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, whatever. It's Christmas movies is a weird thing. I, I just I wanted to have that talk before we even got into discussing movies because I was thinking, I don't know. I, I don't want people. Are to you think, a Christmas movie dude? Point blank. Yeah, no, I'm just not like yeah, there are either. there like, are ones I like, you know, I, I could mm-hmm. probably name more good Christmas movies than I could. No, that's not even true. I was going to say more than good romantic comedies, but that's not even true. Yeah, I, I would say there might. I mean, honestly, though, like other than Halloween, what other holiday themed movie? <laughs> what other like there's I mean, OK, we got Easter Sunday and as a Filipino, I'm supposed to love it. But uh, fuck a joke, boy. And, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like there's a bunch of other, uh, it's just, that's the thing about Christmas movies. And that's the thing about one of the movies we were discussing tonight, uh, that being trading places, any type of Christmas movie that isn't just a cat, like a capitalist criticism tends to just be a hallmark pap. I think that's, I think that's fair. Uh, and, and, but I guess I mean, if, granted, Alonzo Duralde could probably make me eat my own shoe in this conversation, which I'm okay well, with. Well, but the thing is, is that part of the appeal for him is the pap, man. That's the point. Like, the, you know, it's like saying, like, well, the problem with a lot of desserts is they're too sweet. Yeah, and like, like that, that probably, that probably yeah, that probably makes sense to a lot of, I, I'm sure there are a million people in the world, not listening to this show because we don't have that many listeners, but there's a million people in the world who would say the problem with desserts is they're too sweet. But there are, five times to a hundred times the people who would go, that's the motherfucking point, man. And so like, it's not that I think I wouldn't accuse Alonzo or other people who love Christmas movies of only liking sentimental films, but sometimes you like the thing. Cause you like the thing, you know, some mm. people like noise groups because they want noise, not because secretly under the noise, there's a there's secret melodic. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, yeah. some people actually want to be turned off. That's the whole fucking point, yeah. you know, or, you know, think of something else like uh, some sort of cloying punk rock. I might be like, this is too twee for me. And someone mm-hmm. else is going, what are you talking about? Twee is the point, you know, like, so yeah. I, I think that um, I, you know, yes, I agree. If I'm going to watch a Christmas movie, like a movie that I keep asking people if it's a Christmas movie and I'm almost a hundred percent sure it's not, but I want it to be a Christmas movie <laughs> is Babette's feast. Right. Wow. And the thing about Babette's feast is that it is a very sentimental movie that no one could tell me is cloying. It is somehow both sentimental and perfect. And so if I'm going <laughs> to have, I think the reason I want it to be a Christmas movie, besides the fact that like it's a wintry movie with a feast in it. So I'm like, come yeah. on, it's gotta be, um, but besides that, it's really just that's what I want a Christmas movie to feel like to make me feel the way Babette's Feast makes me feel. And mm-hmm. for the most part, they don't. Sometimes they do. It's not impossible. But for the most part, they don't. Uh, let me bring up the last thing I was going to bring up in relation to this. I was going to skip it, but let me just mention it. I was recently watching 
purely because I have a five-year-old daughter, uh, 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 Christmas Chronicle, the Kurt Russell Santa Claus movie. What? I got to say, man, it's got all the schmaltziness I think people like in Christmas movies. But having Kurt Russell as a sassy, slightly angry Santa Claus kind of made it a little bit better for me, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on a, on a great movies list, but when it comes to movies I am watching- Brings you of, joy, yeah? No, I would say movies I'm watching out of obligation but still make me smile, uh, that's on the list. Because being a parent means you're watching shit that sometimes you just, it makes you want to die. Right. right. Uh, this is not that I had fun with it. And uh, you know, granted that's cause Kurt Russell, but fuck, I don't care. It's, it's cool. And they managed to do enough goofy stuff that I, it kind of makes sense. But you know, if you're someone who, for whom schmaltz is poisonous, you mm-hmm. know, like, like total candy coated bullshit is poisonous. I can't imagine there's that many traditional Christmas movies that you can put up with. Yeah. Agreed. It's it's inherent in the genre if it is a genre. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's 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 run through these ads really quick, right? All Unless right. you got we got another point you want to make before we do. No, I was just looking at a bunch of uh, stuff that was added to a particular uh, thing that we do together, right. and uh, I was like, man, there are so many of these Christmas movies that like, how did these not die on the vine? There's one called A Christmas Karen. Hmm. I saw it. Not the movie. I saw the the box slip by. In my eyes. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Christmas huh. Karen, it's called. Huh. Yeah, I, that's not for me. That's not for me. <laughs> This is what I'm talking yeah. about, man. It's just like. Well, oh, Josh, you know who's yeah. not? You know who's not a Karen? No. All Tell the me, people who yeah. support us on Patreon. Mm-mm. What a fucking, not. What a fucking terrible transition that was. That was awful. That was the worst <laughs> transition you've done in the 163 episodes that we've been doing this damn show for. But go on. Hey, yo, we couldn't do what we do without y'all who uh, who support us on Patreon. And if you love this show and not just this show, but the network as a whole and you want to make sure it can continue, check us out on Patreon. Um, I, you know, the Patreon hasn't really grown in a while, so I haven't brought this up recently because it feels like a far off dream. But I do want to be clear, like our ultimate love would be if the Patreon grew to the point where we were giving shows money for doing shows like that's what i would love to do is be yeah, able to be pretty cut cool. some money off of a chunk of money for people uh but you know we're not there and i and i, I our goal to get there is pretty low i mean not that anyone would be quitting their job with the amount of money that we would give them <laughs> but even if it's not a ton of money just the idea of like what you're doing is generating money so you should have some of that money I think that's a real thing. And I, and I want to, I, I just think that's the right thing to do. Uh, and so that's one of my goals with growing that Patreon is trying to, besides just like uh, establish this as a, as an organization that will continue into the future. It's also to like compensate people. So check it out. Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X. Please, 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 please. Josh, who else do we have to thank? We have to thank the good people at Essex Coffee Roasters, not only for their beautiful coffee, but also their beautiful merch and tea. Uh, our friend Aaron Dalbeck of um, Essex Coffee Roasters has been a stalwart companion ever since uh, you know Cinepunks has taken umbrage with them and with him in particular. And he deserves your business because he's a good dude and um, the coffee is good. So Essex Coffee Roasters, if you go over there and you put C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X in the uh, discount code box at the end of checkout, enjoy 10% off of your entire order. 
That's uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Yes. But if, Liam, you were to start your own <laughs> coffee company and you were to say need T-shirts to promote such a thing, who would you go to? Well, I'd go to the fine people uh, and also Chris Reject at Lehigh Valley Apparel <laughs> Creations, xlvacx.com. They are uh, possibly the greatest green printers in the world, but certainly the finest in the Lehigh Valley. Uh, basically, here's the deal. You got a thing to promote. You got a idea, a design. You have something you want to sell on um, on the internet somewhere, like a like a cool hat idea or a hoodie that you think is cool. Uh, cool gonna, hat idea. Yeah, I mean, maybe you want to put. Uh, <laughs> Are you uh, screen printing hats? Is that a thing? Oh, they do hats, buddy. But oh, wow. I, I mean, it's because they contract out to embroiderers. You uh, don't know that we have embroidered hats. I I think I remember you wearing one, maybe. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> xlvacx.com. Chris Reject is the worst, but he's also the best. And when it comes to working with him, you're going to want to go there to get everything you need uh, apparel-wise and even posters. They It says apparel in the name. They do posters. If you need a mm-hmm. poster, they can do a poster. Hit them up, xlvacx.com. Shoot them an email, message them up. Don't message them on uh, Instagram because they get real sassy about that. You don't want to do that. Um, of course, we also want to thank our friend Sharky over at MechanicalSharkMedia.com. Um, <coughs> we've talked a lot about how much we love Sharky and how much we appreciate the work he does for us. He also does a lot of things that you might need, whether that's uh, video work. He's done an, a number of music videos lately that are about to come out or may already be out by the time you're hearing this. Uh, He does uh, audio recording. He does special effects work. He does post-production. Whatever you need media-wise, he's got you. And soon, he will have the the completed Bigger Boat Studios, where he will be able to do a number of things in-house for you uh, that you might need. So head over to mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Let Sharky know that we sent you. We love him very much, and we very much appreciate the amazing work he does on this show and other shows uh, who are part of Cinepunks. And also, Sharky, I told him yesterday, he's like a rabbit's foot. So if you got him in your corner, there is 100% no chance of you failing. Just so you know, in terms of uh, that which he can you know, do on your behalf and, and for you and with you, uh, our man Sharky is, he's been nothing but a total gem to me and a great friend. And he deserves all your business and praise. So holler at our boy. Let him know Cinepunk sent you. And uh, he'll be stoked. <laughs> Super stoked. Uh-huh. We love right. you, Shark. All right. You know what we got to do now? What do we have to do now? There's a thing that we got to do. Liam, I've been smoking so much weed. I have no idea what we do now. Whacking on track. Oh, you reminded me. Whack and on track. <laughs> so, Liam, what have you done lately that has been whack? And what have you done lately that has been on track? Well, I mean, uh, I don't need to say much about Whacking on track. Oh, my gosh. Look at you cut me off. <laughs> I don't need to say a ton about whack. <clears throat> you know, I'm fucking sick. And that's Word. that's the long and the short of it. And, of course, I mean, we, we often say things that are silly in this section. Sometimes we also say serious things. And I was being kind of humorous at the beginning of the show, but we, we really do uh, consider ourselves uh, people who care about this world. And I'm very concerned with this like super intense uh, uh, escalation of attacks on our uh, LGBTQ friends, specifically at drag shows, but at other things too. It's super fucked up. And 
Um, you know, I, 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 I know that like as part of rough cut and part of Cinepunks, we've done fundraisers and things like that in the past and we've supported voices and stuff, but I also want to make sure we're always addressing that those things are going on and encourage people to get involved. If there's a, if there's a mutual aid organization in your area, if there's a way for you to, uh, support, uh, local folks, even just go to your local drag show and give money to your local drag performers, uh, Queens and Kings and uh, whatever else. Like I, I just think, um, it's important for people who are not part of this insane fascist, uh, uh, movement that's happening right now to show their support because the more you show up and challenge fascists, the more that they, uh, show their true colors, which is of course cowardice. Um, uh, so that's all on the whack tip on the on track. I finally saw a little movie called Wakanda forever. Now mm. me and Josh got into the meat of it. I think on our lunch with Liam episode, which uh, I don't, I don't apologize for because inevitably we're going to talk about movies on lunch with Liam a little bit, but I do apologize a little bit to the Cinepunks audience. If for some reason you really wanted to know what we thought of this movie, like in depth, the reality is I don't think a lot of people do care though. I feel like this movie did not in the sense that this movie really didn't make as big a splash as the first one. So I think right now there isn't much like discussion anymore. Like it was like when it came out, there was a good week of people talking about it. And then it was over and like, no one's talking about Wakanda forever anymore the way that they were. I mean, they were talking about the first black Panther for like a year to maybe two years afterwards, not only for a year to two years, but also fervently and with much. Yes, 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 yes. And that isn't happening. Um, I just want to say for those people who aren't Patreon supporters and don't hear lunch with Liam, I liked it. I don't think it's perfect, um, but I really enjoyed it. I think it suffers from what a lot of Marvel movies suffer from, which is, there's not enough time for all this plot. This was a bad plot for a movie. This should have been a fucking uh, TV show. You know, it should have been a, at least a season of a show. Um, squishing all this into a movie, it's just the movie ends up feeling too short and too long at the same time, and that's that's a bad look. But I don't want to single it out for doing that because that's all the Marvel movies. All yeah, of them the are Marvel that. template now. Yeah. yeah, it's just let's do everything we can in this one two hour period of time or two hour and 20 minutes period of time and hope like people aren't too frustrated. And in some ways you, there are times when I get why you could do that because um, there are characters you don't have to like fully explain anymore, right? Like the fact that the newer Spider-Man movies didn't feel the need to like do all the same Spider-Man beats over again. Yeah. Like the I, uncle Ben stuff. And love like, that. I don't know why every yeah. Batman movie is like, and then his parents got shot in alley. You're like, <laughs> I fucking know, man, let's move on. Um, but I do think with the speed at which the Marvel cinematic universe is attempting to introduce new characters, which I get it. I don't think it's a bad thing. They want to do that, but they're doing it so quickly. And with so little detail, they're going to find that people, I mean, think about like, let's, let's leave uh Riri out of this, you know, the whole Ironheart thing out of this and go mm. back to America Chavez. Right. If you expect anyone after that Doctor Strange movie to give a fuck about America Chavez who didn't already know who she was, you fucked it up because she's barely present as a character in the movie. She doesn't have enough moments and she is going to be I mean, I think she's going to be hugely important to the Marvel Universe. Uh, and, I, you know, maybe they're like, well, she'll she'll have more of a presence in other movies. OK, but you don't need to be in a movie for a long time to be important. Uh, there are people who've won Oscars for 
three minutes of movie, right? <laughs> like that's real. And so the idea that like, well, we just don't have time for her to be a character. That just can't possibly be true. It just can't. So um, I just think like that's my critique of a lot of these movies right now. But as far as getting more into the movie, like, you know, uh, if you have specific questions, hit us up and we'll talk about it. But for the most part, I liked it maybe a little bit more than you did. But I definitely don't think like I don't think it's a lot of people. But there is, of course, that small group of people for whom they're like, this is it, the best Marvel movie. And I'm like, I don't, come on guys. I don't think that it's that either. Uh, but there was a lot, there were a lot of things I liked about it. And uh, I'm actually really excited to see more with this new version of Namor. I hope he's not going to be just a Black Panther character. I hope they really bring him out for other properties, which is entirely possible. Uh, but I don't know when or where. And I, I, I'm looking forward to that because I liked him a lot. So yeah, that's, that's about it for that. Um, the other thing I wanted, other things I wanted to mention. Oh, and quick shout out to friend of the show. Uh, Nick Acosta, uh, known as Numerality Z Nick. Uh, that's who I saw it with, and it was fun hanging out nice. with him. Um, the other uh, three things I wanted to mention were actually all TV shows. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of other new movies, so I am starting my uh, 2022 catch-up because inevitably there's like uh, interesting artistic films that did not get a wide push or that I missed, so I'm trying to catch up with a bunch of stuff. Uh, including, I was surprised at how many movies were on the uh, John Waters end of year list that I had never heard of. So (laughs) I'm trying to catch some of those as well. Oh, one other thing I watched that was on that John Waters list, I forgot. I watched that documentary, The uh, The Taney 001. That's about the John Walker Lind, the the American Taliban guy. Uh, It's really good. I recommend it. It's interesting. Uh, There's not a lot to say about it, but I, I think if you're interested about that, sort of early period of time, early uh, uh, war on terror stuff. And I think it's an interesting documentary. I obviously think it could have gone a little deeper than it did, but uh, you know, I think for what it is, it, it did a really good job. Um, I've been, I started watching the Willow show. Ah, so Disney plus, I think is like <laughs> really trying to maximize all the IP they have access to. And Willow, I think is, not the movie that people thought they might develop a TV show to, but they did. And I gotta say, I'm 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 pretty much in. It's it's corny, you know. We're three episodes in, and there's a certain corniness to it. But you know, I don't know, Josh. I have a soft spot in my heart for that Willow movie, man. Yeah, I, I man, get, it's a good movie. That's why. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's good, but I like it. And I mean, Joanne Wally Kilmer and Val yeah. Kilmer in it. Yeah, come on, and Warwick Davis. Well, the that's, original Wicket. Well, Come that's on, that's the deal, man. For this show, seeing Warwick Davis again, I didn't realize how cool I would think it was to see him again doing this character. And it's very different, you know. Will is a lot older now, but like, it's interesting. I just I really appreciate seeing him again acting and in like, I mean, not that it's like the most challenging role, but it's a real role, and I I really like that. So I don't know. I I you know. If you're the sort of person who, when I say the Willow show, you immediately think, wait, what? It's not for you. It's not going to win over the skeptic. Yeah, no, it's definitely a legacy thing. Like, yes, I mean, yes. think about the fact that the original movie was directed by Ron Howard, right? Right. I mean, it was his foray into like sword and sorcery 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, that's the anchor for this entire show, from what I understand. I don't know anyone that's like Willow, huh? Maybe I should check out that old movie after watching this TV show. You know, like 
Right. But the show's fun, man. I, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying it. So um, the other thing I wanted to mention is the new season of The White Lotus is on. Uh, and I, I think we talked about how much I like the original, the first season of White Lotus. Uh, I like the new one too, man. And a lot of that is, of course, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, who's, you know, a gift to the world and just an amazing actress who I think is been given an opportunity to do a lot more with her character than she was that first season. Uh, but the other is uh, my girl, Aubrey Plaza, my, my fellow Irish Puerto Rican, Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> I think she's amazing. And and the whole cast is solid. Like, I don't want to say like, it's just the two of them, but the two of them are really exquisite, I think, and doing just amazing performances. So, um, you know, if you want to watch a show about uh, rich people on vacation, having their lives fall apart, this is the show for you, man. Check it out. White Lotus. I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan. Uh, and finally, I wanted to mention, um, uh, I've talked before about the channel Dropout, which I, I, I think most people don't watch in any way, shape, or form. It's the streaming channel run by College Humor. And I've talked about it before because they do a lot of D&D content, which I watch kind of intermittently. It really depends on like who's playing for me to want to be into it. Uh, but me and Suze have spent some time checking out their other shows. So all the shows they have that aren't D&D are more like kind of game shows. And uh, I follow one of the game show hosts on TikTok where he posts shorter versions of the shows. And they're really fucking funny. Just they're clips from the shows. And they're so funny that I was like to Suze, like, we should just watch these shows. They're here. They're short. It's like a quick little thing to watch. Let's mm-hmm. check it out. Man, they're so fucking good. They're so yeah. good. <clears throat> yeah, man. I I mean, I don't know that all of them will work for everybody. There's a lot of it that's very much improv. If you're someone who uh, yes, and your way through TV shows, yeah. Well, if you're if you're someone who thinks that improv is a torture thing and you don't think it's funny, this is not going to work for you. No. But like uh you know, one of the shows is called Make Some Noise and it's just three people and every person gets a prompt for something ridiculous that they then have to act out. Uh, and it's, it's fucking great. It's so funny. The people who do it are really funny. I love it. Uh, there's another show I really like called, um, uh, um, actually. And it's a, <laughs> it's a nerd version of jeopardy where the, the host, <laughs> the host reads a statement about some piece of IP ranging from Lord of the Rings to anime to major motion pictures. Like it, it's all over the place, wrestling, all kinds of things that like losers like me, like, mm-hmm. and you as the player is, are supposed to, uh, you know, uh, 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 what was it called? Like uh, ring in or whatever and say, um, actually, and then correct whatever he says. And it's so good. I was just watching an episode with Adam Conover, uh, John Gabris and Brennan Lee Mulligan. And it was so fucking, I was dying laughing. I thought it was so fucking mm. funny. Mm. Uh, and they have other shows on there too. There's a show called game changer where, the whole thing is each of the contestants don't know the rules of the game. So they're just playing to find out what the rules are. And that's how you win when you figure out the rules of the game. Uh, there's a show called, um, Oh fuck. What is that one called? It's a, it's basically a show where uh, everyone is drinking booze and the host has a list of secrets and everyone is trying to guess whose secret, who on the show is the secret applies to. Uh, now, personally, I don't care about the booze part. I think that's kind of a useless aspect, but I will say 
uh, in the couple episodes we've watched, people tend to be drunk by the end of the show. So that does add a little <laughs> bit of silliness to the show. So uh, anyways, there's a few shows on there. Dropout is, it's a cheap channel. It's like 30 bucks for the year. And there's some fun stuff on there. So if, you, if you're someone for whom improv is not toxic, but you actually think it's kind of fun, um, I think there's a lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, if you're if that doesn't sound cool to you, then go ahead and skip it. But it's called dropout. Yeah, 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 yeah. I it love- reminds me of it, what, the way you talk about it. It reminds me of the CISO channel. Do you remember when that was the thing? One hundred percent. It's a little less scripted than CISO, uh, mm-hmm. but but there is scripted stuff on there. But yeah, I mean, I told you, I feel like everyone at College Humor must have gotten fired because I remember College Humor being the epitome of bro humor. It was yeah. the bro humor website, and now. Everything is like non-binary and goofy and like totally queer and like all 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 the all there is not a single bro vibe left of the whole fucking thing and I love that so much. I'm just like I don't know who took over this channel, but it's not what I expected at all. That's pretty good, actually. Kind of funny. Oh, it's hilarious to me. I mean, the fact that I'm watching a high production game of D and D where every, <laughs> everyone playing except for one person, everyone playing the game is in some sense, queer or not binary. And their characters they're playing are, are basically playing like a version of D and D that's all intrigue and like sex stuff. And I was like, <laughs> what is fucking happening right now? And it's by the way, hilarious. Cause all the people doing it are also funny. It's, it's really good. It's really, really good. So anyways, Josh, what's whacking on track for you, bud? So it's funny. Your first item in your whack list is that you're sick. My right. first item in my on track list is that I'm sick. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Whack, you know, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a rough couple. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. been going through some things just with uh, cross keys and a bunch of uh, stress coming from that, which, okay. Um, I also talked about how I got, uh, robbed for pizza, uh, Monday, the week before, uh, last Monday, not this past Monday, but the Monday before that, Sure, that was a bummer. Um, if you need to know the details about that, it's on the lunch with Liam episodes. It should be dropping sometime soon. Yeah. Basically Josh um, had a pizza snatched by some rowdy teenagers. Yeah. It was awful. Cause then you don't want to run after pizza when you're a fat man, because then it just seems some uh, more demoralizing. Right, and then, right. you know, this close to Christmas, you're like, come on dog. But anyway, um, on track, I um, went and saw a band called Daisy the other day at right, the Lamo right. Records 10 year anniversary show. Um, <clears throat> uh, Daisy are amazing. I really love that record. I've listened to it like 10,000 times this week. It's super duper fun. Um, but it was cool because I also got to see a show, uh, the set of a band called Hurry featuring uh ex psychic teens and uh friend of the show mr joe d carolis and i'd never seen them before and they th- it was them and thin lips and um and daisy and there was an opener but i worked until four and the show started at three so i didn't get a chance to catch them because i walked <coughs> in right when right. curry was going on but um that was a fun time it was interesting going to the church for a show like that that's like i don't know a bunch of uh younger kids and a lot of people i didn't know so that was fun um it's funny, speaking of um, Jennifer Coolidge, there is a show on WoW Presents Plus called Sketchy Queens, and it stars a uh, winner of Dragstar, All-Stars, All-Winners Season 7, um, Jinx Monsoon. 
And she has a bit on there because it's just sketch comedy from Jinx Monsoon. And the bit is uh, her pretending to be Jennifer Coolidge talking to her pretending to be Jennifer Tilly. (laughs) Jennifer's talking. It is so ridiculous. But also part of the on track is that Melani and I went to go see a Christmas show thematically congruent with tonight's episode um, featuring Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme. And it was pretty fun. And um, we got to take pictures of them afterwards. And uh, it was a good show. It was a fun Christmas show. You know, they a lot of singing. And it's basically um, Ben De La Creme and Jinx Monsoon are like two drag queens that are going through time through decades to finding the one thing that they can make right to make Christmas perfect in 2022. So it's them just traveling through the decades and there's like a lot of dancing and singing as per most drag shows, you know? And, um, the two Queens are just so endearing. So it's super fun just to watch them like riff with each other. And like, you know, these like bigger shows, not just like a drag brunch, like these tend to be a lot more like ornate and there's a lot more like funnier jokes and all this stuff. And this is definitely that. And it was, uh, it was a super fun night. So we did that. And then we also saw Miss Laura Jane Grace at the Ardmore Music Hall. Awesome. Awesome. And um, I don't know. I've been seeing her since she since Against Me was just the one person, just just her. And then Against Me became a full band, and then they became like the biggest band, and now she's doing all the solo stuff. And every single song that anyone called out at the show, she played. Like she just knows her whole catalog. And that's both impressive and terrifying at the same time. But um, that said, I've never seen, I've never seen Laura Jane Grace play in any capacity where I've been not leaving feeling like super psyched, you know what I mean? And this is no exception, super fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I got, man. I don't have much else outside of what we're talking about now. Yeah. I got to tell you, like I, I, there's been so many shows here that I'd love to be talking to you about that I just mm-hmm. couldn't go to. And it's such a bummer. Like I, I'm hoping to check something out this weekend. So uh, hopefully I'll have a, I'll have uh, uh, some live music things, but I just haven't been able to go to anything. And it's, it's a bummer, man. When mm-hmm. you can't, when you can't get out because you were dying. <laughs> yeah. Cause of the bronchitis. I will say, I've also been listening to that deprogram record by that band planet on a chain. So good. Oh my God. I love it so much. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I've been listening to that a lot too. Uh, I'm still listening to that uh, syndrome 81 band a lot. Mm, super duper fun. Yes. Yeah. I've also oh, been yes. checking out a number of friends have made Christmas lists, uh, playlists that I've been trying to listen to. It's always hard because I, I just don't know what I want. I go back mm. and forth. Like I don't want a list of only, novelty songs but i don't want a list of all traditional songs and i certainly don't want a list of all punk covers because jesus christ that's such a hit or miss thing so i I really go back and forth on what i want to hear christmas wise and sometimes i just want to listen to the low christmas album too like sometimes that's Mm -hmm. all i want is just to feel real sad about christmas what's funny is recently the new vinnie paz record came out it's called torture the name of god's unconditional love yes and uh it might not be a christmas record but it is Christmas for me, man. That record is. Oh, you're really sickening. into it. Yeah, uh, I love it. It's great. I love that. That makes me. I've happy. also been into another hip hop record. Well, the Black Star record is back on YouTube. I don't know if you're aware about that. That is a thing. And um, there is a record by uh, MC called OT The Real and Static Selecta called Maxed Out. Okay. And um, a lot of people are on it, like Gilly the Kid's on there. 
Like there's a bunch of like other MCs on there, but my goodness, that is a <coughs> vicious and unrelenting record. It is hundred percent pummeling way. Into yeah. It. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to mention two real quick and then we should take a break. Um, new uh, alone in a crowd song or no, not alone in a crowd. One sorry, one step closer song is mm-hmm. very good. And the new Buggin song I thought was very good. So right. uh, 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 that's that's exciting. I'll be more excited when there's actual records out. You know, like I get that everyone releases like promo single singles now <laughs> far in advance of records. But I really just want records. Like even if it's an EP, I, I, I prefer that to just a, one song. But it is what it is. And I do like the song. So nice. All right. After the break, we will be discussing two seasonally appropriate movies. We're going to be talking about Violent Night and Trading Places after the break. So Liam, we're talking about two seasonally appropriate movies. 
one of which is a classic, mm-hmm. arguably, and the mm-hmm. other one is called Violent Night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to cover the classic first, or do you want to start with the new movie first? Whatever you want, man. I'm good with. I'm good to go. Let's talk about them. I mean, okay, we did touch on it, like genre film Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. We said kind of a cheap trick, right? Like, yeah, we get it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically mm-hmm. the thing with Santa sprinkled in there, you know, but otherwise it's not really, I mean, I don't know. I don't find them to be very compelling. That said, the genre of Christmas action, got to say, kind of into it. I agree. I agree. What was your thoughts when you saw Violent Night? Okay, we're going to start with Violent Night. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just, you know, just no. seemed like a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, so, I want to acknowledge something that I think a lot of people will feel who see this movie, which is that for me, and this is probably my bias, right, uh, in the sense of the kind of movies I watch, right? At a certain mm-hmm. level, Violent Night might be one of the dumber movies I've seen this year at least new movies uh i watch mm. a ton of old dumb movies for cinema smorgasbord but when it comes to movies i saw in the theater it's it's you know it's a goofy movie it's silly and yet josh i left the theater more satisfied than i've been with a movie in a long time <laughs> and i got to say y'all i like I, it, it's something i say a lot that i don't know people think I don't know that it's always taken very seriously, which is if you're going to be dumb, lean into the dumb, right? Yeah. So if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. That has always been the right, mantra. Right. And so this movie starts off, you know, kind of weird, right? Like uh, we've got a drunk, cynical Santa played by, um, oh, what is his name? David Harborough? David Harbour. Yep. Yeah. Um, people obviously know him from not just Stranger Things now, but from the uh, Black Widow movie. Hellboy. Yeah, yeah Hellboy. Lots of stuff. So him as Santa Claus is kind of a lock, right? Like you're like, oh, yeah. duh, of course. Why, you know, uh, who, who else? And specifically this kind of like, I'm frustrated with the world Santa Claus. It makes sense. Grumpy Santa. It yeah. makes perfect sense that yeah. David Harbour play that. Yes. And then the movie is, I think, well aware that the setup is the kind of coincidence that dumb Christmas movies always have. Santa's there, just happens to be there when a paramilitary force is trying to rob these rich fucks. And I will Mm -hmm. say, as an aside, because I'm going to spend most of my time gushing about how much I like this movie, I think one solid criticism some people might have is that in the winter of our Lord 2022... I don't know that I want to be rooting for rich people. I will say, if that is a concern for you, the reason Santa helps these rich fucks is because their daughter is nice. She's good. She's a good person. And so it is her goodness and her sweetness and her belief in Santa, in Santa yeah. that like not only encourages him, but even empowers him to fight these uh these folks right and so the movie then has makes a few moves one that santa's going to help her uh and that we need to care about her even though her almost her entire family i think her mom is mostly good but otherwise her family are fucking monsters who we hate so it's like okay well do i care if they catch a bullet i I don't know but b 
we're supposed to then buy in pretty quickly that, you know, Santa hasn't always been Santa and that Santa has a dark past. Right. And so therefore a warriors past. Well, yeah, but one, he's kind of embarrassed by, you know, a little bit, at least he, he describes himself as being quite naughty mm. and, and that this past, um, matters for the plot in that this is how he is able to take on these, these paramilitary types, these, these, these criminals, I guess, who are, who are robbing this rich family who mm-hmm. also in their own way are kind of criminals. Right. Yeah. And so, um, what the movie does with that, that I really loved, and I guess this is kind of a spoiler, but it's really not because it's an anti-spoiler. Um, they don't explain shit to you in the sense of how did, uh, this shirtless Viking covered in blood and be- tattoos and tattoos eventually become yield Santa Claus. The movie's like, uh, we're not going to tell you that. Like, no, nah, fuck you. Like, we're yeah, not going like, to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He, he was once a warrior. And honestly, for me, Josh, I don't know if you felt this way. It felt like kind of a nod to the thing that we all kind of know, which is that Christmas is a pagan holiday that we've kind of painted Jesus onto that like at its heart it is and probably should always have been a pagan pagan holiday holiday, and like while I don't mind the way it functions in the Christian church you know as if you're going to talk about churchy things it certainly isn't like that Christian and enough so that many uptight fucks throughout history have tried to ban Christmas because they're like I don't know that's the sketchy holiday you know (laughs) that's the pagan one I think um, Santa Claus being a former, I guess, Viking, they don't really say, but a former warrior from a long time ago who used to have a hammer called Skull Crusher. Uh, <laughs> I think in some ways it kind of reminds me of like Christmas used to be something else, y'all. It used to yeah. be really something else. And so like I like that aspect of it, but also they don't need to explain it to you because it's not part of the story. It doesn't matter, right? Mm, yeah. And and the movie continues along that line where they could be giving you more backstory on this rich family. They could be giving you more backstory on Santa. They could be telling you even more backstory about these robbers. But instead, jokes, violence, and and this is the part that won me over in the end, cuteness. This is a completely <laughs> like, sincere and sentimental yeah. Christmas movie. Josh, did you find this movie as charming as I did. I did. I mean, that's the thing. You have to understand. I saw this at the Bourse. Of course, of course. (laughs) And the homie Sean was working, so I got to see him. And, you know, friend of the show, not a listener, always been our friend. And, like, whenever we see Sean, we love. You know what I mean? Like, that dude rules. So starting a movie out with that being the experience, the precursor, good time. Second thing, they showed the trailer for Cocaine Bear before this, and I was, um, you know, now I'm riding a pretty good high. You know what I'm saying? There's joy in the air. Primed perfectly for a Santa movie where he's like Rambo. That said, this movie, to me, I I mean, like, you're already Santa, right? Right. It could have gotten way weirder (laughs) than it actually did. 100%, yes. And uh, I was prepared for really weird. Right. You know what I mean? Just because it's like David Harbour, like Hellboy, that's this is some shit. Let's go for it, you know? Um, I was not disappointed, however, with with what we did get, which is pretty much a siege movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I enjoy those a lot. Yeah. And the idea that it um it has a 
very Christmas theme at its core, right? Yeah. But but it is not starry-eyed about its characters. Only the little girl is good. Even right. Santa, though his job is to give gifts to the good, he himself is quite a character. And uh essentially he is good, but like He's not uh he's not white he's not a whitewashed prissy, you know. He's no. walking around being like this fucking thing and these motherfuckers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's he's clearly frustrated. He's been doing this for what, eleven hundred years? Yeah. And uh, you know, he might be a little tired. He might be a little <laughs> tired of this, but he's gonna keep doing it anyway, you know, and and whatever. And so I like that part of it. Um, uh, but I also like that even though the movie's view of humanity is not uh sentimental the movie ends up still being sentimental about christmas itself now i do want to say i don't think this movie falls into this too hard i do think this thing we have at christmas with christmas movies i was thinking about this before this movie with a a christmas chronicle right Mm. there's a whole genre of christmas movie in which santa is real take you know christmas chronicle or elf Mm. or any number of these movies where santa is real but the issue josh is that people don't believe. So like kids believe, but when adults get older, they they don't believe. And because they don't believe, they don't get presents from Santa. And therefore it's like a self-affirming idea because they don't believe it doesn't happen for them. And the idea here is that the magic that is Santa Claus is there, but no one believes in it because um, in not believing, they don't have the evidence, right? Mm. And I get why these movies exist. And, and honestly, it's the only cosmology that would make sense in a modern world. How could there be a Santa and no one believes in Santa? Well, it's because no one really believes that people aren't inclined towards belief. And so therefore, mm-hmm. only children and good hearted people believe <laughs> believe in Santa and normal people. Well, they're too beaten up by life. They've had to face too many hard things to believe in in, in good old Santa Claus. And the problem, Josh, I think uh, should be obvious to most people, especially people who are cynical, which is that um, while there are. Uh, it, uh, specific situations in which people don't believe enough when they should. The larger issue in our world is that people believe way too easily. If <laughs> if Santa was real, a lot of people wouldn't need any fucking evidence to believe in him. They would just believe, right? The same yeah. way that they believe in a lot of bullshit, you know? And yeah, mm. I get it that it's supposed to be a metaphor for um believing in the possibilities that Christmas represents of hope of new life of all that stuff. I get it. But the reality is one person goes on Fox news and says they thought they saw Santa. There's going to be a whole conspiracy where (laughs) Santa's actually supporting Trump and there's a fucking, you know, there'll be a Santa front, you know, in red and green marching down the street saying the Jews will not replace us. You know, like there's a, the, the, the reality is people actually, tend to believe a little too much, you know? Now, maybe they're believing too much in the wrong things. Maybe the kind of belief they have is different than believing in Santa Claus. But I just think that there's something about that cosmology in these movies or this backstory that I always find so confusing. I'm like, yeah. there's no fucking way people believe in Bigfoot. They would definitely believe in Santa Claus. Like, get out of here. There's just no, it's just not a thing, you know? Uh, but what this movie strives at, though, is really boiling the belief in Santa Claus down to not a belief in just a magic man who brings presents, but a belief that there's something good, right? Right. That there's something that there's worth this believing underlying in. like altruist spirit. Yeah. That champions magnanimity over selfishness and 
you know, um, giving instead of getting. (laughs) And what's great is the movie doesn't, what would be hard, and I think it's hard for a lot of Christmas movies, is if the movie took itself too seriously. The movie wants to be a Christmas movie, and so therefore it wants to have a Christmas message. But it doesn't want to then be like, hey, look, we made a movie about Christmas, so therefore we're important. It still manages to not take itself too seriously, culminating in a moment that I will not spoil for anyone in which uh, Santa uses Christmas magic in a truly (laughs) horrific and upsetting way that I thought was magical. And even, even the way that the movie has him constantly saying like, Christmas magic. I don't understand it. I love that. You know, like, yeah, he doesn't it's fucking like winking know. at the camera without winking. Right. Like right. that's the thing. Cause there, you don't want it to be a full bore, like fart noises out of the armpit kind of joke. Right. 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 But it's, you also, not, it's not scary movie. Right. No, it's definitely not scary movie or any of those cognates of not another X, Y, and Z movie, whatever. Right. Um, but it has to take itself seriously to a degree. Right. And exactly. It exactly. It has to so, care enough about its characters to even have in a movie where there's this much wanton violence and in which there are a number of sequences that feel well, they don't feel they are almost straight out of home alone. Right. In, in the in the violent sense, not in the sentimental sense um, yeah. that I think um, it, there has to be a way to both be ridiculous, but also care about what's happening. Yeah. And I think it manages to do that. Now I don't want to I don't want to get too excited about that magic trick. It is amazing that it is able to both be, be sentimental and gory at the same time. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's easy to do. I think that yeah. is an accomplishment. No, I agree. But inhaling <laughs> that accomplishment, I don't want to fool people into thinking that therefore this is some sort of like cinematic masterpiece. No. I yeah. still fully believe this is one of the dumber movies I've seen this year, but like that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's so honestly like silly. Yeah. yeah because well, that's how about the fact that did you pick up that Beverly D'Angelo was the mom? Yes. I did not. Not that, until after I, I read about it on IMDb. Fucking perfect. Fucking perfect. Oh my God. Choice. Hilarious. I didn't even recognize that. That, I mean, you knew as soon as you saw it. Well, unlike you, I don't know her name. But I knew who, as soon as she came in, I was like, oh, (laughs) good choice. Good choice. The only reason I know it is because of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I know, but I don't know. The only person whose name I know in in Christmas Vacation is uh, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Even, uh, what's his name? Who's weird? Rusty, the guy from uh, Night of the Creeps. Yeah, who is that? Uh, I forget his name, man. I don't know. Anyways, point is. Point is, um, I don't know that Violent Night is like uh, the you know this isn't like when we had a Godard discussion. We're yeah. not going to get into the weeds on Violent Night. It's no, a, no, it's no. a violent Santa Claus movie. But I think we both, at least for me, I was just surprised. I was I expected to like the movie, but I liked it even more than I thought I would. While still at multiple times going, ah, oh, are you fucking kidding? Okay, <laughs> all right. Like there are so many decisions made. Where that you're are, like, really? Like, that's what we did? That's what we're going to do? Okay. Yeah, but, like, sure. the, but the movie goes there. And, and, I, and again, I think for me, it proves the idea that like, if you are going in a certain direction, keep going in that direction. Don't be yeah. afraid. The movie is not afraid of what it's doing at all. No, definitely not. It's, it's, it's not going to be one of those hallowed, like, uh, standard movies. I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a recurring yearly thing. 
But for now and here, it's great. I think for some people it might like for some people who have a more modern view, like there are people <laughs> who like rewatch rare exports, you know, which is like a very it's not new, but it's like newer in the realm of mm. movies. If you, you know, I, it's not a horror movie like Rare Exports, but if you like that vibe, you know, it is that. It's it. It's funny because it's a bigger, bigger production than this, but it felt like a film festival movie. It mm. felt like the kind of movie that yeah. after a festival you'd be like, oh, remember that? Well, that was fucking great, you know? Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, but but I think in the large scale, yeah, it's certainly not It's a Wonderful Life, sure. or Or for that matter, Die Hard. You know, it doesn't have that kind of staying power. But I think for some people who like this vibe, this is exactly what you want it to be. I think, you know. Well, that's Violent Night. Um, There's probably I think that's a limit of what we can say, too, because despite talking about it a lot, we somehow managed not to spoil any of the good bits. So I want to continue not to spoil any of the good bits or ruining anything so let's stop with violent night and talk about a movie that i think especially for people from philadelphia or of a certain age does still have the ring of a classic to it which is trading places um did you grow up with this movie what's your relationship to this movie? oh yeah no this is one of the first <clears throat> it's one of the first eddie murphy movies i can ever remember seeing i know it's a second movie um it's one of those movies that whenever it's on i'm gonna watch it right how about you? What's your relationship with this movie? You know, I was somewhat familiar with it because it was on cable to some extent. Yeah. But I didn't grow up with it the way other people did. There were a number of jokes from it, though, that were so important to friends when I was a kid <laughs> that I knew them before I saw the movie. But I finally sat through the whole movie because of a weird reason that you immediately are going to understand, but a lot of people are going to be like a little surprised by. And that's because of a little South Jersey band called Trading Places. Ah, there you go. I was like, <laughs> wait, where does that name come from? Someone's like, you know, the Eddie Murphy movie in Philly. And I was like, oh, and he's like, he doesn't have legs or something. They're like, no, he does have legs. And I'm like, oh, right, that's the joke. And then what happens? And I realized, like, there were moments I remembered in from the movie, from seeing it on cable. Uh, I had even seen the um, unedited version on cable once on uh, HBO and I was staying at someone else's house because I didn't have HBO yet at the time. Right. But I had never just sat through the whole thing. So it wasn't until later high school. <laughs> like 1995. That yeah. That I, well, for me, later high school was 97, right? Or 96. Right. So wow. I sat, yeah, I think it was 1996. I put, I finally was like, we're going to watch this whole movie. And I got to say at the time, I fucking loved it. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I liked the idea I mean, what the movie manages to do, like, if you are from Philadelphia and you see Eddie Murphy in Rittenhouse Square in the beginning of the movie, there's already a certain amount of identification with that. There's a certain amount of like, okay, this is the place I know, right? Yeah. But I think also the rich fucks in this movie, right? Mm. The Winthrop and whoever, you know, I forget their names. Randolph. Randolph. Um, you, maybe I'm alone, but I bet you will agree with me. Growing up in the Philadelphia area, you assume that there really are fucks like that yeah. in Philadelphia, right? That these yeah. in these old ass buildings with big red doors and such. Yeah, that that those people are in there. I mean, uh, you know, are they in that movie? They're in a place, right? But that might as well be what is it, the Union Club or whatever it yeah. is? Mm -hmm. Like 
there's which so, is in the movie, right? <laughs> it's right. Across totally. the street from the there, one hundred percent. So there's a, there's a feeling to me that this movie, though it isn't literally real, mm. it's somewhat related to the way people in Philly feel about Philly, whether that is a hundred percent accurate or not. You know, whether that is mm. like. It, it might be a coincidence. Maybe this story existed before they decided to film it in Philadelphia. I don't, I don't know, but you know, whether it's those rich assholes or when they go to Jamie Lee Curtis's character's apartment, you know, like yeah. there are certain aspects of the movie that feel very regional and very real. Uh, so I love that aspect of it. And I loved the skewering of this financial system. Right. You know, in high school, I thought, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I see what's going on here. Yeah, fuck those rich assholes, blah, blah, blah. On returning to the movie, though, Josh. Yeah. Which I don't think I did in a really focused way till, I don't know, 30s or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm. it was just assumed. Training Places, great movie. On returning to the movie is when I realized that maybe it's also a bit problematic in that way <laughs> that, like, all of the 1980s were. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not there all of the 1980s. There are a bunch of F-bombs in this movie. Like, a lot. <gasps> the, the, like, the hard F. The hard yeah. F, as we call it. The, the, the problematic F makes an appearance quite Multiple a few times. times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, in retrospect, um, Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, sex worker with a heart of gold is mm. a bit of a gross male fantasy. And I, I don't feel like, at this point in her career... She should have been uh, not playing a more fleshed out character. You know what I mean? Like this is, you know, she's not super famous, but she's done enough stuff by the time Training Places comes out that I'm like, ooh, she's really not present in the movie except for when she's present. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't love that. And, and the Dan Aykroyd blackface in the third act. Yep. Yep. I was going to oh say that as well. You know? Yay. Um, uh, and and the whole vibe of the whole thing, like I get that the point is they're criticizing these guys for playing with human lives, mm -hmm. but I don't know that the criticism is quite as uh, stark. If you were, if this movie hadn't been made till now, I think it would have a lot more teeth than it does, right? Yeah, it, it's a little more silly about something that's real and hurtful. I don't know. On watching it for this episode, how did you feel watching it? Um, it's definitely funny how it feels like somehow, uh, anti-capitalists, like these rich fucks are the guys who are the bad guys kind of story. Right. When in reality it's, I mean, the financial aspect of it and the concepts of privilege, it doesn't even follow through until the end of the movie. You right. know what I'm saying? Yes. Cause they end up being rich and like it. So it's like a Prince and the Pauper kind of situation. I get it. You know? They're actually trading places. Right. That said, it's not that much of an indictment of capital to begin with. Nope. You know what I mean? It's just other people being rich assholes. Now. And so like the parable of the whole thing is kind of lost on me watching it for this episode. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's one of those things, too. Like there are a lot of movies. I, I would argue there are a lot of movies from the eighties that are angry at rich people. Right. Mm -hmm. And decontextualized, you might find that somewhat inspiring. Right. Right. Uh, the problem is some of that populism is actually connected to Republicans. Somehow people thought of Ronald Reagan as like not on the side of the rich, which is like, 
really fucked. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's as fucked as the whole idea that Trump isn't mm-hmm. on the side of the rich. Uh, but but also, um, I think a lot of it too redirected anxieties that should have been also focused on the racism of the era. So it's a lot yeah. easier to say, "Oh, these rich assholes," and not then also think about the ways that there's basically you know this is not the beginning of but the beginning of the Reagan version of the war on drugs. Right. Right. And so like, yeah, Reagan's economic policies, especially the ones that are destroying unions everywhere yeah. are a real, are a real problem. And we'll have a legacy of horror, but not quite as much as his actual war on the black community, <laughs> you know, like that. I mean, that's literally what it is, you know, yeah. and it's it's made worse through the 90s. It's not just just Reagan, mm-hmm. but a lot of his decisions and decisions made while he's in power are related to that. Uh, and, and including something, you know, that we only that people only talk about if they listen to hip hop is how mm-hmm. uh, the Iran Contra affair also was about crack in the black community. Right. It wasn't right. just about uh, supporting the Contras or. Uh, getting weapons to to Iran, you know, it was also about uh, moving, you know, cocaine around to make money. Now that that doesn't mean that um, Jacob or whatever the white devil's name is invented crack for the black community. That's not mm. really what happened, but it is true that the CIA directly uh, before and during Reagan. Uh, was directly involved in in shipping cocaine around. You know that's yeah. a fucking fact. And so like, uh, that's that's a bummer. And you know, in their minds, it was like, well, we're supporting the Contras, and the Contras fight leftists, so it's great. Uh, but because of that work, what was already a problem became more of a problem, and it was exacerbated by really intense drug laws. And uh, trading places isn't about that. Trading yeah. places is about <laughs> yeah. s- some jerky rich guys and, and about really screwing over those particular jerky rich guys. Certainly not screwing over the system that allows them to be those monsters, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's, the, again, that's the issue. And not that, <laughs> not that it needs to be, right? But it would be more satisfying if it was. It's not that Trading Places needs to be a leftist movie, but watching it now when things are all so bad, it's yeah. a little funny to be like, Oh man, this is really not that strong a criticism. Because as a kid, I was like, "Yeah." I mean, a kid, yeah, high schooler. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, fuck the man." And it's like, well, <laughs> kind of, I guess. You know, it's kind of like only if the man's not me. You know what I mean? Like the one hundred percent. Otherwise, 100%. man's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but I mean, here's the thing, though, Liam. Does this have any type of Christmas relatability or sentimentality for you? I think it does, in the sense of like, um. One version of Christmas that isn't about whatever religious significance necessarily, but is back to the traditions of Christmas is related to something we've talked about a little earlier, a Christmas carol, right? Right. A Christmas carol is a story where some ghosts show up and make a rich (laughs) person feel like a piece of shit. And their only redemption is to like turn their life around and, and, and start being kind to poor people and like, you know, (laughs) celebrate Christmas outside of, you know, even just Christmas time, you know, but the spirit of Christmas in that sense, the mighty being made low is a theme of Christmas. Now right. one could argue, well, that's because Christmas previously was actually about ghost stories. And a <laughs> lot of ghost stories are about the mighty being made low. That's kind of the point of a lot of ghost stories. <laughs> so pagan maybe, rituals, but go on. Yeah, sure. Exactly. But, <laughs> but I do think like that's a very Christmas thing. And 
Uh, granted, these two weirdos don't get the redemption arc that Scrooge gets, right. but it's still an idea that like, you know, the, of the trading places thing, it's still something that we could associate with Christmas time, whatever. That being said, it's still not that Christmassy, right? Like, yeah. I think if someone said, oh, I didn't know that was a Christmas movie, I don't think they were paying attention. But I also think it's not a film that when you watch it, you go, that's why I love Christmas. You know, like I mean, but there is a there is a an extended sequence of Dan Aykroyd in a filthy Santa costume. What a well, is that why so, people love Christmas though, Josh? Is no, I'm just Santa? saying though, if the, if someone's like, well, I didn't know it was a Christmas movie, it's like yeah, they're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, come on, man. He's got the he's got the locks inside the Santa oh, suit. It's oh disgusting. yeah, oh yeah, it's gross. It's so gross. Uh, but you know, I will say as much as I think that the movie doesn't totally work and I am bummed out and I know people hate when there's always going to be someone listening. Who's like, why are you judging it by modern standards? But like that, the, that word sucked then too, just because people pretended like it did homophobia yeah. sucked in the eighties as well. So I, I, whatever about all that, I will say though, unlike some eighties movies I've rewatched a few parts were still funny. Right. It's not right. that the whole movie fails. There are some jokes that still work. There I are mean, pl- there's even two fourth wall breaks from Eddie yes. Murphy that are really, really funny. Really funny. Oh, and, my God. But the fact that Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy are in a movie that is uh, uh, not as critical of rich people and, and, and way too homophobic and possibly misogynistic than it should be is like not that big a surprise. Right. Like that's mm. sort of the 80s. Right. Um, and, it, and it's a bit of a reminder that, like, for me, and we talked about this on another episode, I think Dan Aykroyd is overrated. Mm. I just think he is. Like, I, I love Ghostbusters, right? But, like, take away Ghostbusters, and there aren't as many great Dan Aykroyd movies as people pretend there are. And I, I just think this is an example where, my, in my mind, it's great. But even if it, people still want to say it's great, it's not because of Dan Aykroyd. I just don't think he <laughs> is that great in this movie. I think he's fine. He doesn't ruin it, but uh, I, I don't know. My, I am no longer, I just put him in this pantheon of eighties actors that I think doesn't exist, you know? And wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the same I way, I like Dan Aykroyd. No, nah, I think he sucks. I think wow. I, I maybe, I think that's maybe a little too harsh, but I do think he's overrated. Um, Maybe not quite as overrated as Chevy Chase, but definitely overrated. Fair enough. I just, I mean, you know, it's funny. The thing about this movie that is the gift every year of its like annual Christmas viewing. Sure. (laughs) That I I find to be very fun is just the John Landis stuff that's in there. I agree. I agree. You know, uh, Frank Oz being in there. Yeah. Makes me so happy. Yeah. And um, the see you next Wednesday poster in. uh, Yep. Yep. In Jamie Lee Curtis's room. So funny. Yeah. Like those are the kinds of like little, just sweet little twists. Al Franken is one of the, the luggage handlers at the end. Sure. Like, yeah. These are like the little weird bits that I'm like, oh man, that's great. I, I think there's still a lot about the movie to appreciate. Yeah. I just, I just, when I, when I sound disappointed, uh, listeners, it, this movie it's was really talking. <laughs> oh, you're such a jerk off. It's because I really had this movie. This is one of the, for me, classic 80s movies. This is on the list. You know, this was yeah. a movie that me and my friends quoted at each other for a long time. And so coming back to it and finding a bit more to be disappointed than I expected. Now, this is not like 
the story we've told too many times on here, the golden child experience in which I realized yeah. that golden child is a bad movie. Like not only bad, but like wildly, ra- like wildly but the kind racist. of stuff where you're like, Oh, Whoa. <laughs> On a recent episode of Cinema Smorgasbord, oh, actually, I can't even say that. So one of the reasons I'm in such a bad mood, everyone, is because I did a double recording session earlier today with friend of the show, Doug Tilly. We did two episodes of Cinema Smorgasbord, only we didn't because I took a break after the first episode. We came back and Doug jumped into it and I never hit record. So we talked out a whole episode of Cinema Smorgasbord discussing ghost world and uh and we never recorded it but during our discussion of ghost world i did make the joke that my uh my crush uh uh, when i was younger on scarlett johansson was really ignited by lost in translation a movie that i said josh alvarez would suggest i was so crushing on scarlett johansson i didn't notice how racist it was (laughs) <laughs> and and Doug and Doug said, uh, uh, "You aren't the only one. Many of us were distracted by Scarlett Johansson <laughs> from the intense racism in, in that movie." That movie. I I'm not saying you're wrong, man. I'm just saying like that was the movie for me with Scarlett Johansson. It was it was it was uh, it was Lost Translation, you know, which is funny because I don't even really like her anymore. <laughs> but yeah. that was that was the movie, you know. So, anyways, uh point is i think that um it would be easy to let my nostalgia for this movie distract some of the things that like kind of bum me out a little bit but Mm. i just want to acknowledge them they're there if you've never seen this movie before i don't know that watching it now in 2022 is going to win you over i just don't man i don't know that it'll but it's also probably going to be like those people that didn't see star wars until now it's like you probably already know a lot of the jokes because it's that part of uh, do you think it's that do you think it's that i i don't know if it's at that level i that it might but i don't know that it is because i would put the movies i'd put at that level is like uh more like uh maybe the goonies i would maybe say is that uh uh prevalent or gremlins gremlins and ghostbusters indiana jones but trading places i don't know if it's that level of cultural in fact i would i would like to find younger people for whom the 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 pop culture of the 80s is a mystery and ask right. them if they even know who the fuck Dan Aykroyd is. My guess oh, is I was going to go with that. If they, if they, if you went, I have no legs, what would they do? Like, right. Would they be like, yes. oh, that's for, or would it be yes. like, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair point taken point taken. I bet you a lot of them would just be like, wasn't he in uh, ghostbusters? I'd be like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's the guy from ghostbusters. I'd be like, Oh my God. I mean, that's, I mean, yes, but no, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. Would you recommend it other than like, I think it's a fun rewatch. I don't know if I would recommend it to somebody to watch I, for the first time. I, I think that's where I'd land with this one. I think for people who just haven't watched in a long time, there's probably a lot of people who are hearing us talk about this, who are like, I oh, kind yeah. of remember that movie, but I haven't yeah. watched it in forever. I think it's worth rewatching it. Just go in knowing not all of it's going to work for you. But like for someone who has never seen it before and is wondering like, is it worth my time? I don't know if the good <laughs> overwhelms the bad enough, but I also think, you know, it's your own level of sensitivity. You know, I'm not trying to say like, if you love this movie, you're utterly insensitive. Uh, but I think there are people for whom they're like, yeah, it's an eighties movie. I know it's going to have gross stuff in it. It's fine. Then like, yeah, you might like the movie. I just, you know, it, I, I, I just wish that some of the humor 
that isn't offensive also hit a little harder than it does. I don't mm. think it's the funniest Eddie Murphy movie, but there are some real killer moments in it. And I yeah. do, I do love certain aspects of it a lot. Same agreed. Wow. What talking about two very different movies on a Christmas that are episode. both Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I think that this is going to be our one Christmas episode. Y'all. I think after this, we're going to have to talk about something else because I don't know how much Christmas I can <laughs> yeah, do. I don't know how much more joy we could put in here. Yeah. Unless we do like a hater episode and be like, yo, we have to watch movies that we hate. <laughs> we well, watch like what if we did? What if we, what if we did two uh, Hallmark movies? That would be some real uh, Dude, torture. that would be really funny. I, I'm down. Let's do we'll, it. We'll think about it. Or we'll just do our end of year episode. I don't fucking know. Also good. Yeah, also yeah, dope. yeah. We'll see. Oh, well. Anyways. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, as always, please rate, review, subscribe because uh, that stuff matters to us. And, uh, you know, tell a friend if you uh, know somebody who's like, hey, you like movies that are weird and music that also is weird. You should probably listen to Cinepunks. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. And um, yeah. Anything else that you want to put up, Liam? Anything that you want to? Uh, I mean, like always, please uh, check out our sponsors. Check out all the other shows on the network. Uh, tell a friend as Josh said and really you know like let us know what you're thinking if there's something that you've been wanting us to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet shoot us an email cinepunks at gmail.com or hit us up on social media yep other than that we will talk to you a little bit later and this is the end of episode 163 smoke bomb <laughs> Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.